Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord, the Lord God, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid. This story is as old as the human race. I keep coming back to it, because the depths of perception and understanding about our own hearts and about God are so plainly seen in this story. I was speaking with a dear brother, a Christian brother, and as we were talking, he reminded me of this story. And he said to me, in this story is the very heart of the issue I've struggled with. I continued to listen. He said, the struggle is always, will God give to me or must I go and get it for myself? Will God give to me or must I go and get it for myself? That is the issue. They were unwilling they believed the lie of the devil that God was withholding from them. They believed the lie that God was not willing to give to them the best. Instead, he was holding it back from them. Now, this cuts across everything that you and I have learned in American culture. Because American culture says, if it's going to be, it's up to me. It says, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. It says, God helps those who help themselves. And the essential kernel of the American culture is that you can have whatever you want to have. Just go get it. Some go to get it by stealing. Others go to get it by working hard. Others go to get it by forming relationships with others so they can take from them. But at the very heart of it is that God will not give to you, so you must go and get it for yourself. So then when we come to the book of Hebrews, let me read for you in Hebrews, the fourth chapter. I'll begin with verse 11. So may every effort be made to enter into that rest that no one may fall by the same example of disobedience. This is in reference to the children of Israel as they walked in the wilderness 
And God separated them from every possibility of taking care of themselves. He utterly cut them off from Egypt. They came through the Red Sea. They could not flee back to Egypt. And out there in that wilderness, God provided water. He provided the meat. He provided the manna. Their clothing did not wear out. There was a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. God spoke to Moses directly. They were told when to pick up and move, and they were told where to camp. Everything that they had came from the hand of God, and they rebelled. They would not relax. They would not rest in the Almighty God. There was a promise of entering into a beautiful land flowing with milk and honey that God would provide for them. And when they came right up, right up to the boundary, they sent out their spies and the spies came back with bad reports except for Joshua and Caleb. We can't go in and take this this country. It's too hard. We look like ants. They're giants in the land. We can't do this. God said they could. God said he would fight the battle. But they angrily talked about stoning Moses to death. They were unwilling to enter into the rest of God. What is the rest of God? It is the cessation of all effort to do it yourself. It's not reaching out and grabbing another person that you think you want a relationship with. It's not reaching out and grabbing at the job that will give you the most money. It's not reaching out in some entrepreneurial endeavor to make your own way. It is waiting upon the Lord. It is resting in him. Now, when we rest in Jesus, will we die? Will we go broke? Or does God step in and begin to provide what he has established and what he wants for us? Now, please, today, I'm going to take you into the deep things of how God works. If you will listen, and you will follow what I'm going to tell you, your life will be transformed in Jesus Christ. Whether you're a pagan, or you're a halfway converted Christian, a cultural Christian, not a real one. Or if you're a committed Christian, a follower of Jesus, if you will listen to what I'm going to share with you today, it comes out of my own painful journey, my own brokenness, as I have learned to rest in Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm Ray Greenley. This is Pilgrim's Progress. I want you to make progress on this Christian journey. And many of you who are listening to this broadcast are not making any progress in your journey. Your heart is dry like an old board. Your mind is cluttered and confused with all of the things that are grasping at you. Your heart is astir because of what everybody else is doing around you, the way they block your productivity, the way they don't perform the way they're supposed to perform, and so they're a drag on your heart and your life. And so you are right in the midst of a rat race. This is not what God planned for you. This is not the way of the living God of heaven. Let me read for you Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 11. 
So make every effort. That is, let no stone remain unturned as you examine your life to determine, am I going after this on my own? Or am I walking in obedience to the commands of Jesus Christ? Is his anointing power with me? Now, I have some very painful issues in my life right now. And I could try to resolve these issues. I want to tell you how I am attempting to resolve these issues. I have brought them into the prayer closet privately where no one can see me. And I am lifting up my heart for several hours a day regarding relationships, regarding finances, regarding FM radio, regarding transportation. I have a number of issues in my life that must be resolved. How will I resolve them? Not by my human power and not by my human wisdom. I will resolve them by coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting him, praying and crying aloud until the answer comes from heaven. Well, what happens if while I'm praying, I lose something precious? That's all right. I've resolved in my heart that I only want what Jesus Christ will give to me. I don't want what I can secure by personality or hard work. I don't want what I can secure with human flesh, wisdom, and power. I resolved now some 25 years ago. I entered into a covenant with the living God of heaven. And I said to him, I will only receive from your hand what you choose to give me. And if he doesn't choose to give that to me, then I don't want it. And so my work is in the prayer closet regarding these issues. And it takes me several hours a day of intense, intense claiming the promises of God, standing by faith on his word, coming up to faith, listening to what he tells me to do, and then walking in it. And so as I walk this way before the Almighty God, he brings to me whomever he wishes me to be with. He brings to me the resources necessary, the transportation that's necessary, the finances for radio that's necessary, and he will bring to us FM radio. He will bring to us national radio, but not by my going out and fundraising. He will do it as a gift of grace because the work belongs to him. It does not belong to me. All that I have, I gave to Jesus. All that I am, I gave to Jesus. I no longer own anything. All belongs to him. And so now he has the right to give to me as he chooses. At his decision. In his time. Not mine. Well, pastor. Doesn't that mean that sometimes you go without? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And I go without because the Lord wants to test my heart and see if I'm serious about trusting him. We're told about the children of Israel that the Lord God of heaven made them get thirsty to test what was in their hearts before he gave them water from the rock. He let them grow hungry before he brought the manna to test what was in their hearts. Will I, when I have no manna, 
Will I when I have no relationship? Will I when I have no transportation? No job? No no health? Will I trust Jesus in the midst of everything or will I turn against him and follow the direction of the devil, which is to go out and grab for myself what I think I need and what I want. I can no longer do that. Verse 12, this is Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active to make things happen and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of both soul and spirit to both joints and marrow, even able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now there is not a creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and having been laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So the word of God says it is, it is what makes things happen. It is what changes our circumstances. It is what meets the cry of our heart. Now, I spoke earlier this week. I ask you the question. When was the last time you just laid before the Lord on the carpet and openly and loudly wept over the lack in your life, over the situations of your life, over the sin of your heart? When was the last time you allowed the word of God to pierce your heart sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of both soul and spirit? When was the last time you had the word of God spoken to you in such a manner that your heart was bitterly pierced? And you saw your sin in the same light as God sees your sin. When was the last time this happened in your life? No, for many of you, you grow discouraged. You beat yourself up. You turn aside to human flesh. You turn aside. You'd, you'd rather not spend the time praying. You'd rather not spend the time dealing honestly with the living God of heaven. You would rather endure your misery. Many of you go to church Sunday after Sunday, Saturday after Saturday, and the word you hear does not pierce your heart. Many of you stopped going to church at all because there was just a social organization. It was a money machine. It was a program. It was an institution. It was a ritual. There was nothing living in it for you. There was no Holy Spirit presence there for you. And so you've turned aside. You've turned aside. And some of you are happy just going to church or doing your life. Because bottom line, you trust in yourself to provide what is necessary to sustain your life. Remember verse 11 said, So may every effort be made to enter into the rest that no one may fall by the same example of disobedience. What's the disobedience? The disobedience is saying, I will provide for myself. I will be my own God. Now, you don't mind having a little God. You'll even pray to him. But you're going to go do what you have to do to achieve the goals you have for yourself. Your ambition is large, and you're going to do what you have to do. And some of you would just roll over and die and pretend that everything's okay, become depressed and discouraged. 
become angry and bitter? Anything but come to Jesus Christ and put my full trust in his power and in his might and know that he will provide for me because he said he would. Have you entered the rest of God? Have you stopped your own attempts to provide for your life? And are you trusting in the almighty power of God? Now, if you hate your job, don't quit. It's a place of discipline in your life. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. But how are you going to survive in that work environment? There's only one way. You're going to go to the Lord. You're going to lay on your face before him. You're going to deal with the misery of your heart. You're going to deal with the desire and the ambition of your soul. And you're going to pour out before God your heart. You're going to tell him all about it. And then you're going to begin to surrender. The Holy Spirit is going to make things happen in your heart. And you're going to begin to see how you've been arrogant and proud. How you've been self-sufficient. The Holy Spirit is going to begin to pierce you and convict you. And you're going to have to spend time weeping over it. You're going to have to deal honestly with God. This is the inner walk with Jesus. That's why I'm saying to many of you, many of you need to arouse yourself and come to the prayer chapel where you can learn these deep truths of God and where you can begin to understand and be accountable for what you're going to do before Almighty God. You need to be exposed to the true, honest, spoken word of God that is living and active that makes things happen in your life. Are things happening in your life because of the word that you hear in your church or in your little devotional book? Is your life being transformed into the likeness of Christ? If it is, stay right where you're at. If it's not, run. Come to the National Prayer Chapel or go to a church where you can begin to understand the deep things of God and begin to explosively grow in trust in Jesus Christ. Now, please... I'm not speaking this out of book knowledge. I'm speaking this to you directly from the word of God. And I'm speaking this to you directly out of my own experience of walking with Jesus Christ. And I testify to you today. Jesus Christ is faithful. And I do not need to reach out my hand to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in order to have the desires of my heart. Instead, in the prayer closet, I reach out for the tree of life. Jesus, Jesus is the tree of life. Now, please, if you understand what I'm saying, I am saying something so dramatically radical. I fear you don't understand what I'm saying to you because it is power. It is action. It brings change to your circumstances and to your relationships and to your life. Cry out to Almighty God. Confess your self-indulgence the determination to provide for yourself because God won't show up. Repent before Almighty God for all the things you have reached out and grabbed a hold of that have now left you in misery. God can transform any circumstances of a person's life, and he is willing to. But before he will, you must repent 
You must turn to him. Let me read it again. We talked about this yesterday, but I want to come back quickly and just review it for you. In Matthew, Matthew, the fifth chapter. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That is, blessed is the man who finally is willing to recognize he is powerless. He cannot bring to pass the salvation of his soul. He cannot bring to pass the desires of his heart. They leave him empty. This is the beginning place to deny myself, to take up my cross, and to follow Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Or, oh, how happy the man who can begin to understand that he's not going to achieve his goals by reaching out and going after them. Simply not going to work. Blessed are the ones mourning, for they will be comforted. In other words, blessed is the man who, after he recognizes his condition before God, he begins to weep. He begins to understand that he has played the God in his life. Now tell me honestly, have you played the God in your life? Have you walked in unbelief against the Almighty God? Have you believed in the power of the dollar? Have you believed in the power of your hard work? Have you believed in all of these other things, but you've had unbelief toward Jesus Christ because he doesn't answer? He doesn't, he doesn't change your circumstances. I could tell you story after story after story today of being in absolute dire circumstances. And out of the prayer closet comes the answer. One of the most dramatic answers happened some years ago with my daughter Heidi. She was getting married. We were estranged. She was very angry at me and thought I was crazy for the walk. But she asked me, will you pay for my wedding, Daddy? I had no money. I had no salary. I had no ability to pay for that wedding. I got down on my face. And I repented for ever trying to think that I could pay. I had no way to earn the money. I said, yes, sweetheart, I will pay for your wedding. A short time later, the Lord sent $10,000 to pay for that wedding. That was like a million dollars to me. There's no way I could have that money. It only could come from the hand of God. I sat down with Heidi, with her budget, and I slid across the table a check for $5,000. I said, this is the first deposit. I'll give you another 5000 before you're married. So I worked with her on her budget. Finally gave her the second amount of money. And then on top of all of that, paid for their honeymoon. Simply God's grace. Well, it humbled my heart. I'm dad. I should be able to have the money to pay for my daughter's wedding. I should have had the ability to save that money. No, instead I'd use that money for the work of the gospel. I didn't have the money because I'd spent it all on the work of the gospel and I had no salary. I live by faith. I still do this. I still live by faith. When I need 
a large sum of money, or when I need money, I pray. And the Lord sends whatever's needed at that point, according to his will, according to his command. I could tell you story after story after story of total, absolute deliverance from the hand of God. But I tell you, it humbles a man to be dependent on the God of heaven and not on his own skill or his own ability to be dependent on the mighty God of heaven. It takes time in the prayer closet. It takes humbling of our hearts. But I want to tell you very honestly, the third beatitude is blessed are the humble. God wants us to be humble. And then the number six is blessed are are the ones hungering and thirsting for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. God wants to give to us, but we must humble our hearts before him, and we must renounce our unbelief in Jesus. Now you can say, oh, I believe in Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus when you don't have a paycheck? Oh, I believe in Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus when the car breaks down and you have no way to pay? Do you believe in Jesus when the person you love turns their back on you and walks away? Do you believe in Jesus when your wife or your husband dies from cancer? Oh, now the test comes. Do you believe in Jesus? Are you willing to receive from his hand only what he chooses to give to you? Or are you going to go out and make it happen for yourself? And then you're going to say, I believe in Jesus. He's my rabbit's foot. He's my happy God. He's my sentimental God. He He inspires me to work harder and do better. Are you kidding me? That's idolatry. I want to read for you another passage of Scripture. Let's see if I can find it quickly for you. Yes, it's in 1 Timothy. No, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. The second chapter. Let me begin with verse 11. The word is faithful. That is the Logos. That is Jesus is faithful. For if we died together, we shall also live together. If we endure, we shall also reign together. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are not faithful, he remains faithful as to his nature. He cannot deny himself. What is this scripture saying? He's saying, you have to be crucified. You have to die. The church has to die so that we can then live together. It's saying we must endure. God is going to test us. He's not going to provide everything we desire on day one, two, three, four. You may wait six months. You may wait a year. I've been waiting now for over 40 years for one of the promises God made me. I'm enduring. And he will bring it to pass. I was sitting, listening, when a presenter said, What is it that you think about 
when nobody's around. What is, what is it that you really want? And as soon as he said it to me, tears began to flow down my face. I said, what is this? Ray, what is it that you really want? What is the desire of your heart? And immediately the answer was very clear. I want to see men and women turn to Jesus Christ and give up their unbelief. I want to see men and women weeping before the Lord in repentance. I want to see revival break out in Washington, D.C. I want this city transformed into the likeness of Jesus. That's what I want. Many times I've been before the Lord and wept over this city. Tears, real tears, not crocodile tears, wailing before God for the salvation of Washington, D.C. and of America. What do I want? I want you to stop trusting in yourself. I want you to turn to the living God of heaven and I want you to make the same covenant with him that I have made. And that is that I will receive only from his hand what he chooses to give me. If he does not give me that relationship, if he does not give me that wife, if he does not give to me whatever it is, it's okay. I'll go on down the road following Jesus and I'll not look back. I'll not look back. I am going to follow Jesus. My heart is set. My heart is sealed. My mind is completely given to looking at Jesus. My thoughts are on Jesus. That's what I want you to do as well. And I know, frankly, that this is not going to happen in your life until you're willing to make every effort to enter into that rest, and that effort is going to require that you drive a distance, perhaps, it's going to require that you leave your comfortable little position in a dead church. It's going to require that you step into a place where the Word of God can begin to be active and piercing in your heart and begin to make things happen in your life. I know you would not be listening to this broadcast. You would have turned it off long ago if you did not want something to happen in your life with God. That's why you're listening. Now, are you willing to pay the price to have something happen in your life? Or are you going to continue in the same old, same old? I know what happens is you listen day by day to the preaching, or maybe once or twice a week you catch a part of the sermon, and then you go on with your life. Oh, I've heard Pastor Ray talk about that. No, it's not about what you hear. It's about what you do. Are you willing to lay your life down and sacrifice your time and energy and money to come and be a part of a people who are under the piercing of the word and things are happening in their lives and they have a testimony that is powerful, that is mighty, saying you can trust Jesus. It requires that you stop playing with God. Now I'm going to stop here, and I'm going to open the phone lines. If you'd like to respond or you'd like me to pray with you, I'll do that. 
The phone number in studio is 877-534-0780. If you recognize today that your life is what you have created and you know you want a different life and you're willing to make this covenant with Jesus, then call. And just as a by the way and a thank you, we came up to the end of May and we were $1,000 short for the radio broadcast. I thank the many of you who have sent checks for One person stepped forward. I did not ask them. One listener stepped forward and gave $1,000. So last month's radio bill is completely covered and we're starting again on this month. This is a faith venture. We don't have a large congregation supporting this. This is Jesus-sponsored radio. While I wait for a call, I want to give you information on how you can come and visit the National Prayer Chapel. You have a female, Jesse. Um, Jesse is on the line. Let's take that call. Hi, Jesse. What would you like to share? Hi, Jesse. What would you like to share? Hi. Um, just, just both my friend, friend and I seem to be in, stuck in our own, own lives separately. separately. Um, um, me, I know what I need to do, and I just keep not doing it. And my prayer is for So, Jesse, what do you need to do? Um, well, this, um, I, I know when God is leading me, when he's, when he's telling me to move, when he's telling me to do something. And, and so often I just, I just don't, whether I'm afraid of it or whether I just, I, it just makes me uncomfortable. And so my prayer is for a change of heart, a change of mind, um, to say yes instead of no, to say yes instead of Oh, maybe later. And um, in my head, I know that what you're saying is true, that God will provide, that I just need to ask. But for some reason, I I stop myself. It's called unbelief and pride. There's a cost. Yes. And I don't want to be afraid of that cost, but I am. Okay, let's pray. Lord Jesus, the devil's telling Jesse that you're going to take everything away from her. The cost is too high. That it's uncomfortable. And Lord, what she doesn't realize is that the cost she's paying now, walking in self is too high, that that cost will strip her from entering into your rest. So, Lord, I'm praying now for Jesse that you will put such a determination into her heart that she will do what your Holy Spirit has asked her to do, no matter what it is, no matter how frightened of it she is, Would you bring deep conviction to her heart that she must step forward and take that action? Lord, she cannot do it in her own strength. And Lord, there's everything in the world that says don't do it. But Lord, would you touch her now with your power and with your presence that she would do what she knows she needs to do? Lord, thank you. Let your anointing and your grace be upon her. Strengthen her now by your spirit. Breathe into her breath of God. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Jesse, 
one thing I want to say to you. Here in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, it's very clear that the Word of God is living and active, and in the Greek it says to make things happen. Where is this? This is in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verse 12. Now, sin will keep you from the Scriptures, and the Scriptures will keep you from sin. So it means turning off Facebook. It means turning off the Internet. It means turning off the television. Whatever you're spending your time, the cell phone, it means coming into the presence of Jesus and reading the Scriptures. And I urge you to read them out loud. Otherwise, you may go to sleep. You may get bored. Mm -hmm. All of us... I mean, I can tell you now that if I sat down and watched an hour of television or I went to the movie theater and then I came home and picked up the scriptures, I would have no taste for it because my mind would have been seared by darkness. But as you read, and I tell you, when I first many years ago began to get a hold of this, I had to actually stand up and walk around as I read the scriptures or I would just go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And then they came alive like a movie as the Holy Spirit began to enter into that word. And I couldn't get enough of it. And today I can't get enough. I read it all the time. It's my recreation. Amen. Okay, so if you want victory, you're going to have to have a lot more spiritual strength. And that spiritual strength comes from reading the word and spending the time dealing honestly with God and confessing the whole deal to him. All right? Amen. Amen. Thank God you. bless you. Good to talk to you, Jesse. You too. Bye. Bye. Our phone number here in studio is 877-534-0780. If you're serious today about Jesus and you need something to begin to happen in your life that will totally transform your life, then you're going to have to go where the word is spoken and where other people are on this journey, this pilgrim's progress. So I come and teach on the radio, but I know you'll just dip in a little bit and then you have to run. You need to come to a place with people intentionally paying the price where you're saying, okay, I'm going to come and I'm going to get a hold of this and my life is going to be changed and I'm going to become like Jesus. Let me give you where the National Prayer Chapel meets. We meet every Sunday at 12 noon and we begin with corporate prayer, not chit-chat. Not with donuts and not with coffee. Not with regaling one another with stories of the latest sporting events. We come because we want Jesus and we're serious about it. It's not play church. It's not ritual church. It's the body of Christ. So I'm asking you to come. If you're serious about having these life changes occur in you. We meet at the All Saints Anglican Church. The All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. Let me give you the address so you can Google it. It's very simple to find. It's right off I-95 South. Four minutes, yes. The address is 14851. Gideon Drive. That's 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Again, it's the All Saints Anglican Church located at 
14851 Gideon, pardon me, Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. If you know where the Hilton Memorial Event Center is, we are located right beside it. It's a large white church. It's a new church. Come in the main parking lot, drive around to the back side of the church, and you will see double ground level, double glass doors, and you'll see a, a large sign that says lower lobby. Come in the lower lobby, and you'll find the National Prayer Chapel Worship Center immediately on your left-hand side. I invite you to come if you're serious about life changes and you want some things to happen for you. If you want explosive, real growth in your Christian walk, or you want to find out who this Jesus Christ is, and you don't want Jesus' light, one non-believer said to me, Well, Pastor Ray, is the National Prayer Chapel Jesus' light? I looked at him. He said, Yeah. I drink Bud Light. I said, no. The National Prayer Chapel is not Jesus' light. It's real. It cuts to the heart. I invite you to come. Now let's pray. Almighty God, I lift up my heart before your throne for your people. I know that you've called forth the National Prayer Chapel to form together a people who will covenant to receive only from your hand what you choose to give. I know people who are caught in their sin can come and be set free. I know that people who are discouraged and depressed can come and find healing. Lord, I'm asking you to move in the heart of every person you are calling to come and spend even a short time with the National Prayer Chapel, that the explosive work of your Holy Spirit out of your word could begin to transform their lives. Lord, I thank you and I bless your name. And I ask for your spirit to hover over this city. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you, my brother, my sister. You've been listening to Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with